Trigger warning. This podcast may contain themes of suicide, violence, and drug use. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to Tia and Rio Attempt to Save Themselves and the World. Episode 11, Dr. Doctor. Previously on Tia and Rio Attempt to Save Themselves and the World, Rio has a major heart-to-heart with Anita, confessing everything from her disappointment and heartache with Hugh to her near-suicide attempt only days ago. Anita is saddened by Rio's hardships and tells her she must promise her something. Rio must promise to live. The mother-daughter bond they already had strengthens further as the two women spend the rest of their weekend dancing to disco and indulging in junk food. Tia also has a heart-to-heart conversation, in a way, with her mother. Mrs. Johnson appears in the strange, rainforest, snow globe-like thing Tia is presently stuck inside. Mrs. Johnson's words seem cryptic, as she warns Tia that there is another woman Tia must find, who is currently in terrible danger. Kiki's home life is revealed as she spends time away from Tia, ashamed of having come out to her, only to have her best friend act in such an unusual manner. Although once it sinks in that the Johnsons are the only two people she has in her life that have been nothing but supportive and loving, Kiki heads back to the only place she ever felt was a true home. Kiki finds Tia's body floating inches above the ground, and it rattles Kiki to her core. She tries everything to wake Tia up from her weird trance, and when nothing she does works, she decides there's only one person she can think of who might be able to help, Dr. Matt Chen. Late Sunday morning, Anita gets called into her veterinarian's office for an emergency. Rio takes this time to walk to Lake Erie, where she encounters a snarky Nathaniel. This exchange doesn't last long, though, as Rio's rage not only sets Nathaniel on fire, but casts him straight back to hell. Kiki paces back and forth, her eyes fixated on Tia's floating body. What if I'm just imagining this? What if I'm still high? Am I even really here? Kiki finally breaks her stare to take in her surroundings. No, I'm definitely in T's house. And she's... Kiki moves her hand between Tia and the gap between her floating body and the floor. Kiki lets out a gasp, still unable to comprehend the fact that her best friend is somehow defying gravity. Kiki weighs her options all Sunday night, knowing she should call Dr. Matt Chen, but scared out of her mind to actually do so. What if he can't help? What the hell would happen to T? The endless questions persist until Kiki realizes the sun is out and it's nearly 6 a.m. on Monday. Kiki gently shakes Tia, and Tia still doesn't budge. Okay, T, where did you put that guy's card? Kiki vaguely remembers Tia putting Matt's card inside her purse, and Kiki doesn't have to look far to find it. Tia's purse is at an arm's length away from where she currently lays in limbo, and Kiki dumps Tia's purse to find the card quickly. A sudden knock on the door makes her jump so violently she collides into Tia. Kiki pauses, hoping this jolt would do the trick and awaken her friend. Still, nothing. There's another knock. Kiki scrambles to the door and whips it open to discover no one is there. Kiki waits a few seconds, peering around the door, trying to see if there's someone fleeing the scene. After nearly a minute, Kiki shrugs and closes the door, only to be greeted by another loud knock. This time, though, 
The knock was clearly coming from inside the house. Uh, hello? Kiki can feel the tension rise as she tries to identify where the knocking sound could be coming from. Her instincts lead her to the kitchen, where she grabs the biggest knife she can find. Knife in hand, Kiki remains still. Another knock. Kiki hurries to the living room, where she believes the knocking is coming from. She waits. Her breathing heavy, she does her best to hold her breath, wanting and needing to know what's causing this obnoxious knocking sound. Boom! This knock is fierce. Kiki flies to the front door and swings it open again, ready with her weapon. And again, there's nothing. Confused, Kiki closes the front door, then leans her body against it, this time ready to strike. Why does it sound like it's coming from inside? That doesn't seem right. Kiki laughs to herself. <laughs> then again, my best friend is floating in midair, so what the fuck do I know? Knock. Knock. Knock! This one brings a now terrified Kiki to her knees as she drops the knife. She waits a few moments, hoping she's imagining where the knocking is coming from. Kiki slowly crawls over to Tia, her eyes wide. Another loud knock. Kiki shifts, so she's back on her knees, reaching behind her to grab the knife, ready to strike. Another booming knock reveals that the sound is coming from the cooler that's next to Tia's floating body. Kiki wants to believe that there's a small animal inside, maybe just desperate to get out of the container. Though, in her experience, animals don't know how to knock. Whatever is in that cooler, it can't be good. Too afraid to open it, Kiki sifts around the dumped contents of Tia's purse until she sees Matt's card. She snatches it up and with a shaky hand, she dials Matt's number on her cell phone. It rings about five times before going to voicemail. Kiki hangs up. Shit! What the hell do I even say? Still a nervous wreck, Kiki dials Matt's number again, anticipating leaving a voicemail this time around. She doesn't know how to explain what's going on, but she realizes she doesn't necessarily need to tell Matt everything. Just that he needs to get over here as quickly as possible and... Hello, this is Matt! Surprised! Kiki's mind draws a blank. Hello? Y yeah, uh, hi. My name is Kiki. We, uh, we met a couple days ago at the library. You offered my best friend a job? Oh, yes. Hi there. Uh, how can I help you? Is Tia still able to start working tomorrow? Um, yeah, so the reason I'm calling you, I guess, uh, I don't know. I, um... I need your help. Um, Tia needs your help. There's something wrong, and I don't know how to explain it. W what do you mean? Is Tia hurt? That's the thing. I don't know. But I remember you saying there were, are, weird things going on in Erie, and I think you better come see this for yourself. Kiki's eyes begin to water, and her voice cracks. Please. I don't know what to do. Matt clears his throat. <clears> throat> hey, no problem. Where are you now? Kiki gives Matt Tia's home address. Great, that's not far from my house. I can be there in 20. Matt informs her, before giving her a quick and friendly goodbye. Kiki tries to maintain her composure, but after being up all night trying to decide the best course of action, 
The weight of it all hits her like a ton of bricks. As her eyelids feel too heavy to hold open a second longer, another loud knock jerks Tia awake, her hands going over her ears as she stares at the cooler, mortified of what could possibly be inside of it. Monday morning, exactly one week after both women had contemplated ending their own lives, Rio wakes up and instantly feels overwhelmed. Rio can smell something delicious cooking in the kitchen only inches away from her bed, but that doesn't put her mind at ease. Instead, Rio can't fathom getting out of bed right now. The second I get up, it's all real again. What I wanted to do, and now Anita knows all about it. Except for the hell part. I skipped over all that. How do I tell Anita that a demonic Simon the Bond swept me off, well, seduced me is more like it, I suppose, and that as of yesterday, I apparently set a child on fire with my mind? An evil child, sure, but still! It's not like I knew I was going to set him on fire. And later today, I get the thrill of starting an anger management class. Yippee. I wonder if they can keep this fiery fury at bay. And as if that weren't all bad enough, I have to see Hugh today. After everything that happened, and all the cruel things he said. <sighs> Rio shakes her head and tries to ground herself in the present. This is an anxiety-easing tactic that Anita taught her years ago, where Rio makes note of everything around her. Okay, soft sheets, purple comforter. Rio inhales slowly. The smell of homemade pancakes. Rio looks around her room, trying to find a couple of posters to focus on. Rio's slow, deliberate breathing instantly quickens. What? As Rio's eyes dart around her bedroom, a gasp gets caught in her throat. Rio can't believe what she's seeing. She closes her eyes hard for several seconds before opening them up again. Every single poster in Rio's room, whether it's an entire 80s band or singular musician, all eyes are staring at her. Rio shifts slightly to get out of bed. Once she's off her bed and stands up, all the eyes from every single poster follow her as she moves. Rio starts shaking her head. The faces on the posters begin to contort, happier, melodramatic faces, all beginning to look like the Joker. Their eyes narrowing in anger, the entire room suddenly engulfed in malicious laughter. <laughs> no! Rio screams, prompting Anita to barge in. It's just the nightmare! Anita yells before practically running into Rio. Oh, you're awake. Are you okay? What's wrong? Anita can see the fear in Rio's eyes. Rio gazes at all of her posters and they all have gone back to being just posters. No eyes appear to be watching her every move, except for a very confused-looking Anita. Were you sleepwalking again? Anita places the back of her hand on Rio's forehead. No, I'm sorry, Anita. I... I'm just nervous to see Hugh today. Anita nods. Oh, of course. I have just the thing to cheer you up. Anita tugs on Rio's arm and guides her several steps into their kitchen. Homemade 
pancakes. Rio gives Anita a big hug in response. Anita, you didn't have to do this. Nonsense. I only do what I want. You should know this by now. Rio moves to set up tray tables in the living room so the two women can eat together. Now, you listen to me. You keep your chin up today. I will pick you up right after work so we can get you to your anger management class. It looks like the first class is at the peninsula, so that should be fun. And you don't need a boss who's going to make you upset. You love music, and you let the music guide you today, yes? Rio smiles, before nodding, as she helps Anita get both of their plates full of pancakes. Yeah, music is my true love. You're totally right. A small shiver creeps down Rio's spine as she thinks about all the posters in her room gawking at her. But she does her best to ignore the unsettling feeling as she and Anita enjoy a big breakfast together. Around 7 a.m. Monday morning, Dr. Matt Chen is dumbfounded. With standard medical gloves on his hands, he carefully lifts one of Tia's eyelids and shines a small light to see if her pupil constricts. It does. He repeats this for her other eye as well, and when that pupil constricts, he lets out a brief sigh of relief, knowing that she's still alive and is not brain dead. How long has she been like this? Kiki shrugs. I don't know. At least a full day, I think. I got here... Kiki doesn't finish what she started to say, as she realizes the last few days have all been a blur. Matt politely nods, sensing her distress. He maintains a calm composure as he quickly moves his hands between the floor and Tia's still-floating body. Kiki watches him like a hawk, and the longer he remains silent, the more frantic her worries become. What the hell is this? What's going on? I called you because you said there were weird things going on here in Erie. This is a really weird thing. How the hell is my best friend levitating and why won't she wake up? Kiki finally blurts out. Matt straightens his back, never taking his eyes off of Tia. I honestly don't know. I've never seen anything like this before. It defies logic. Oh yeah? You want to know what else defies logic? There's something in that cooler there. Or, I, th I think there is. Kiki moves closer to Matt and almost whispers, Whatever's in there, it's been knocking. Matt's eyes go wide as he bends down to examine the cooler. Wait, what are you doing? I'm going to open it. What? Are you crazy? Kiki starts to back away. <laughs> no. Well, we all are in some way, aren't we? Matt replies with a laugh. We can't make new discoveries if we hide from them. Besides. My hope is, whatever's in the cooler may hold some answer to what's happened with Tia. It is incredibly close to her, which, if my hypothesis is correct, means it may be a part of the cause. Therefore, it could also be part of the solution. Kiki blinks hard. What? Kiki, please. Why don't you go into the other room and be prepared to call 911 in case anything goes awry? Oh! Matt pulls out his wallet and takes a card from it, handing it over to Kiki. 
This is my wife's number. If I end up in the same state as Tia, you need to call 911 first, and then please call my wife, her name is Michelle, to let her know that something has happened. Thankfully, she's a nerd too, <laughs> so if I can't figure this out, she may be our best bet. Unless, of course, this cooler does in fact have the answers. Kiki slowly nods before making her way to the dining room and kitchen area, out of sight. Now, it could also be a rabid animal of some kind, like a raccoon or something, which, if that is the case, get out of the house fast and proceed to make those same calls and possibly animal control. I'm so freaked out, Kiki admits, her body trembling. Hey, please, it'll be all right, Matt reassures as he, also trembling but more with excitement than dread, cautiously pushes up the cooler's lid, a glowing, Blinding white light engulfs the entire room, instantly blinding Matt. Kiki sees this light and her vision becomes blurry before everything is back to normal. There's a thud, followed by Tia shouting, Mom? Kiki rushes out to find Tia on the floor, fully awake and no longer in a trance. T! Kiki practically falls on her as she embraces her friend. Matt is near the two women, his eyesight still hazy, but coming back more and more as time passes. Tia is totally quiet. Kiki doesn't notice, and Matt's attention is drawn towards the cooler and what's inside of it. Matt peers down and sees the glowing green orb thingy. He's about to kneel down for a closer look when, Don't stare at it! Tia yells, sitting up so fast she inadvertently knocks Kiki over. Tia's on her feet in an instant, slamming the cooler's lid down as fast as she can. It's good to see you, Matt, but why are you here? Matt glances over at Kiki. He's here because I called him. T, you were like, in a coma or something, but floating. It was weird, and I didn't know what to do or what was wrong, so I called Matt since he talked about all the strange shit going on in Erie. I... I got to see her again. Got to see who? My mom. She was there. She... she had a message for me. Kept saying I have to find the other woman just like me. She's in danger. How is that possible? Kiki turns to Matt. Tia's mom just died a few weeks ago. Oh, uh, I'm so sorry for your loss. Tia, I realize it's none of my business, but I have to ask. What's the last thing you remember? Are you aware you've been levitating and in some kind of trance? A trance that, by all accounts, stopped when I opened this cooler here. Tia shakes her head while her fingers stroke the cooler's lid. It's a key. That's what my mom said. Tia turns and notices that both Matt and Kiki are watching her with a look of concern on their faces. I was going to wait and show you this thing. Tia points to the cooler. And actually, I was just about to call you and tell you about it. I went to get a closer look to describe it to you when, next thing I knew, I was in a rainforest. A rainforest surrounded by plastic, like a snow globe, except there wasn't any snow, just rose petals. Tia is thoughtful in her recollection. Kiki and Tia make eye contact, and Tia gives her a warm smile. I'm glad you came back. I was worried about you. Kiki flashes a smile in return. Call us even now. Whatever was or is going on, it scared the shit out of me. Tia suddenly looks panicked. Shit! What time is it? I have a shift today. 
Matt looks at his watch. It's almost eight. I was out all night? Tia holds her head with her hands, rubbing her temples to try and soothe the headache she feels coming on. She sees Kiki shift uncomfortably. What is it? It might have been two nights. I got here on Sunday, and you were already like, you know. Wait, what day is it? It's Monday, Matt answers. Tia's eyes roll back, and Matt pounces into action, catching Tia before she hits the floor again. Hey, hey, Matt says as he keeps Tia standing, her body limp. It's all right. It's all right. Tia's eyes flutter back open, her body stiffening as Matt lets her stand on her own. No, it's not all right. That means I was a no-call, no-show for work yesterday, and I have a shift today that I'm already late for. Hey, the important thing is is that you're all right, and that you may have stumbled upon something that science, or well, at least me, has never seen before. That's something to celebrate, and definitely do more research on. It looks like we have our first project. Tia can't help but smile at this remark. Thanks, Matt. Matt nods. I know I initially said part-time, but who knows? With an unsolved mystery on our hands, you could easily be full-time if you wish. If your boss is decent... He's not. That's unfortunate. Well, you know how to get a hold of me. I say we start our work first thing tomorrow morning as planned. As long as that still works for you. Clearly, there's... Well, a lot more to this orb you got here. I don't know about you, but I want more definitive answers. And would like to discuss what you experienced further. Yeah, me too. Tia and Kiki exchange a few more pleasantries with Matt before he heads out. Once he's gone, Tia turns to Kiki. Thank you for calling him. I assume you like him a little bit more now? He's alright. Both women laugh. You know, T, you kind of sound different. What do you mean? I don't know. Your voice, it just sounds different. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> what are you talking about? I sound like me. I always sound like me. Tia makes her way to her phone. Oh, shit. What is it? Tia flashes her home screen to Kiki, and it shows ten missed calls from walking on sunshine. There's also multiple voicemails. I'm definitely fired. What? You don't know that yet. You haven't listened to the messages. I don't have to. Tia replies before plopping down on the couch. It doesn't matter anyway. I'm just glad you're back. I don't want you to think I don't support you. I know you do. I was just... I am scared. I haven't always liked me, T. Damn it, Kiki. You're my best friend. And if today's Monday, that means tonight's my first NA meeting. You should come with me. You should get the help you need and deserve. And I'll be right by your side. Maybe another time, T. I'm not ready yet. Between a cooler that knocks and seeing my best friend floating in her living room is about all I can take. Are you ever going to feel ready, though? If you've had this problem for years, the sooner you get help, the better. Please, Kiki. Wait. The cooler knocked? On her walk to work, 
Rio surprises herself by not feeling the need to burst into song. Instead, she can feel the pancakes not sitting so well in her stomach the closer she gets to Hugh's music and collectibles. As the knots in the pit of her stomach continue to get tighter, she sees Hugh's car and anticipates the worst for today, but hopes for the best. Just play it cool, Rio thinks to herself as she knocks on the back door to be let in for her shift. A still slightly disheveled Hugh unlocks the door for her and lets her in. Hi, Rose, he says sheepishly. Hey. Rio walks right past him and makes her way to the front of the store. Once she's at the register, she searches for the inventory checklist that's usually waiting for her on Monday mornings. I haven't printed off the list yet. I'll have it to you in a few minutes. Okay. Sounds good. Hugh stands there awkwardly staring at Rio for longer than she's comfortable with. What? Nothing. Just... How are you? I'm great. I had my first anger management class today, courtesy of getting arrested. I don't know if you remember that night at all. It was a ton of fun. Anger management? Huh. That's unique. I don't think so. It actually sounds like something you could use. Hugh starts to move closer to Rio. Don't. Rose, please. I... Just stop, Hugh. Okay? This hot and cold shit is getting old. Like you. Hugh's face drops, his expression turning grim and hurt. Without a word, he turns and goes into his office. Once out of sight, Rio's expression also changes to one of guilt. This is going to be a long day. Rio's assumption is, in fact, correct. Hugh and Rio do their best to avoid each other, but being the only two people working in a small music store means their paths are going to cross, and quite often to boot. Relief washes over Rio when her shift ends for the day, and she hears Anita's playful horn honk outside. As she's heading out the door, Rose? Rio turns to face Hugh, her expression deadpan. Yeah? I just... I wanted to wish you good luck at your anger management class today. And say I'm sorry that you have to go to it in the first place. Thanks. Rio walks out and can feel Hugh's gaze the entire way to Anita's car. On the ride to the peninsula, Rio is unusually quiet. How was your day? It was okay. Uh, I actually felt like I was kind of mean. Mean how? I was super sarcastic. And I called him old. Anita laughs. Oh, he'll get over it. Besides, the old thing is fair game since he's the one who keeps bringing up your age difference. I do like that he's aware of it, but... I don't like him playing with your heart. No grown man should play those games. Especially not with my Rio Grande. Thank you, Anita. You always know what to say. Neither Rio nor Anita could figure out why they were having an anger management meeting out on the peninsula, but Rio certainly doesn't mind being on the lake and being surrounded by all the natural beauty the land has to offer. The meeting would soon make sense, though, as Anita pulls up to the spot that they were instructed to meet at. There were already several other people there, 
mostly older white men. It looks like you're going to ride in canoes, Anita points out. Rio starts feeling a little uneasy. It just doesn't seem like a great idea to have a bunch of extremely angry people out in the water together, but it's my first day, so who knows? Try not to hit on all of them, Anita jokes. Rio laughs. laughs. Finally feeling the tension from work slide away, only to be replaced by another awkward feeling of having to canoe with a bunch of angry strangers. Anita waves goodbye as Rio starts walking towards a man who's a lot older than the rest of the men present. Rio's certain she is the youngest person here, and after looking over the crowd standing around, whom she assumes is the instructor, she only spots one other female. The other female appears to be in her late 30s or 40s, and the teardrop tattoo on her face indicates she may have, at some point in her life, served time. In fact, a lot of the men here look like they have served time at some point or another, and suddenly Rio's awkward feeling grows. Her cheeks flush. She knows she stands out, and by the way everyone is looking at her, it's evident she is right. The older guy, who is clearly on the list for senior discounts, shakes Rio's hand and introduces himself. Hello there. You must be Rose Smith. I'm Ethan, and it's nice to meet you. Rio shakes his hand back. He may look old, but he's got one hell of a grip. Please, call me Rio, she tells him. He nods, then hands her a name tag from his pocket. Write it on here, and then we can all call you Rio if that's what you want. So far, you've only missed two classes. We won't typically go out like this, but after the first two weeks, I like to see how well we do with our anchor buddies. I'm going to assign you your anchor buddy, and then we'll get set up for our canoe outing, he tells her cheerfully. <sighs> Maybe this will be okay. Ethan takes attendance while Rio scans the crowd some more. I really hope that woman isn't my anchor buddy. She keeps looking at me like she wants to kill me. Rio gulps hard. She turns to Ethan. And who is my anger buddy? Ethan perks up. He likes her initiative. Eager to start. That's good. Just don't get impatient now. We get a lot of relapses from that, he states matter-of-factly. He looks down at his attendance list. Ah, yes. I paired you with Axel. He's over there. Ethan points in the direction of the lake, where Rio sees a very tall blonde man taking off his shirt. At this moment in time, Ethan is telling Rio all about her new anger buddy, how he's Norwegian or something, how he's had some brain trauma in the past and he gets forgetful, and a few other things that Rio does not hear. Rio's head is playing the song Doctor Doctor by the Thompson Twins as she sees Axel take off his shirt in slow motion. His bod and his face look like they were chiseled by the gods themselves. As he puts on a life vest, he turns and looks over at Rio. Her cheeks go from pink to a deep red as he starts walking toward her. Axel, we finally have an anchor buddy for you. This here is Rose, Rio. She cuts in. Please, call me Rio. She says with a goofy grin, her eyes feeling like they're unable to blink as she stares at Axel. It's nice to meet you, Rio. He says with a heavy accent. Instead of shaking hands like she was expecting, he bends down and gives her a strong hug 
then kisses her on the cheek before standing tall. He is at least a foot taller than Rio, and by now her entire face has become beet red. It's nice to meet you too, Rio finally chokes out. Before any other words are exchanged, Axel takes Rio by the hand and gently pulls her over to where his canoe is. I got here early to get the best canoe. I love being in the water, he tells her. God, he is so hot. Where are you from? You have a beautiful accent. Rio comments. He smiles. Thank you, I'm from Sweden. Sweden? How the hell did you end up in Erie? Axel loses his smile, and he seems deep in thought. I, uh... I don't remember. I live with my brother. He is probably the reason, but I like it here. I just love being by the water. Do you? Rio nods. God, yes. I mean, yes. Yes, I do. Axel laughs. <laughs> I'm glad you're my buddy. You seem like you have a good sense of humor. A lot of people in this class don't ever laugh. This remark causes Rio to really crack up. <laughs> for some reason, that doesn't surprise me. Axel leaves Rio alone for a minute. She doesn't know where he goes off to, but she is so lost in thought in very sexual thoughts, that she doesn't even notice when a bald guy covered in tattoos comes up beside her. How's it going, sweetheart? Rio jumps. She had been so spaced out. Sorry. Not trying to scare you. It's just... Well, it's not every day we get a girl that looks like you in this class. If you need a buddy, even after class is over, I could give you what you need. Rio looks him over. His beer belly was so large that it made him look like a pregnant man. His eyes were dark, beady almost, and his breath was putrid. I'm good. Thanks. Rio says. The man's expression turns cold and he looks pissed. Do you have any idea who you're talking to? Rio is getting really angry now. She wants to go back to thinking about her super hot buddy, accent, six-pack, and all. And she was not in the mood to entertain this clown. Do you? She fires back. He's also quite a bit taller than she is, but Rio does not care. She figures if she's going to have to stand her ground in a class like this, it's better to start off strong. You better watch what you say. He starts, but Rio interrupts him. No, you better watch what you say, because you know what? There's a reason I'm in this class. I assaulted a police officer's car when the officer was only a few feet away. I am full of so much rage that all I can think about are the different ways I'd like to bash your bald head in right now, so I suggest you back the fuck up and leave me alone before I show you just exactly who I am. Rio ferociously spits out, her body tall and confident. Even if this bozo isn't scared, he's at least surprised. He backs away, calling her all kinds of names, just as Axel comes back with another life jacket in hand. Was that guy bothering you? He got in my face last week. Axel tells her. She nods. Yeah, he was, but I may have threatened him. And it seemed to work. She tells him. Axel loves this. You serious? Dead. Rio replies. Axel stares at Rio for a moment. For the first time, their gazes meet. Axel notices that Rio's eyes are green, and he thinks they're beautiful. Rio admires Axel's eyes, which appear to be a dreamy blue-green. In the sunlight, the blue is the most prominent color. 
Axel breaks the ice when he holds out the life jacket. Can I help you put this on? He asks her. You can do a lot more than that. Rio says, but quickly clears her throat. throat) Yes. I mean, yes. About two more minutes go by before Ethan gathers everyone around him and explains the exercise they are about to partake in. It's a team-building exercise where all buddies must work together and prove that they are okay with not always being the one in control. Several of the guys and the one other woman roll their eyes. Axel turns to Rio. Do you want to take the lead? Rio shakes her head. I don't know the first thing about riding in a canoe. Will you please take the lead for this one? Axel takes Rio's hand. It would be my pleasure, he says, his eyes lighting up. After everyone is instructed on the route they are to take, Axel shows Rio how to use the paddle. The two new buddies slowly get into the canoe. Axel gets in first, then helps Rio, making sure she feels safe. I love being on the water. Have I said that already? Rio shrugs. If you have, it's okay to say it again. I freaking love it here. Her response makes him smile, and as soon as Ethan blows his gym teacher looking whistle, (coughs) Axel and Rio begin to paddle. Rio's arms tire easily. You're a real pro at this. I must be really out of shape because this is beginning to get hard. Axel studies her for a moment. You don't have to paddle. I can easily paddle for both of us. That's very kind of you, but isn't that, like, against the rules or something? You know the best part about rules? Rio shakes her head. Breaking them. He replies, before paddling a lot faster. Rio grabs a hold of the little seat she's on, surprised by the sudden speediness. The canoe rocks a lot harder, and as Axel paddles faster, a large splash of water practically slaps the bald guy from earlier right in the face. What the fuck do you think you're doing? The man angrily yells at Axel. Hey, it was an accident. He didn't mean to. Rio quickly jumps to his defense. I wasn't fucking talking to you, blondie, was I? He throws back. Axel paddles the canoe right over to his canoe. The other man sharing the canoe with the bald man is a thin, short guy who does not say a word in response. If anything, he appears incredibly nervous around Axel. What did you say to her? The bald man snorts. Go back to your own country, you stupid Nordic fuck! Rio says, Hey! But that's the only word she's able to get out before Axel whacks the bald guy so hard with the canoe paddle that several drops of blood splatter onto Rio's face. Tia and Rio Attempt to Save Themselves and the World is written, created, and produced by Callie Oberlander. Tia is performed by Hugh Philpot. Axel is performed by John S. Quinpuerta. All other voices are performed by Callie Oberlander. All sound design, editing, and music are by Eric Brown. My continuity checkers, readers, and biggest supporters are Jules Johnson, Hilary Roback, and Hugh Philpot. And if you've made it this far, please remember that even in the darkest times, there is always hope. Cinema's hottest podcast is home viewing. What are you doing? This show has everything. Please stop. Blu-rays, DVDs, dog sounds, (sighs) guest episodes. This isn't working. But you know what does work? Discussing our entire film library week by week in alphabetical order. Uh... I'm John. 
And I'm Bethany. And this is Home Viewing. Wednesdays on the Pocket Podcast Network. Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket.